Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've pressed record. Hello and welcome to Bitchin. Every week we talk about a different person. We dissect them. I am Hella Monks. I am a robot. <laughs> I have lost the will to live. So I'm just spunking this out. We dissect them, we divulge them, we veer wildly off track. People like this show, you know. Do they really? Or have they just got nothing better to do? They do. They like us. <sighs> Maybe they like you more than they like me, but that's fine. It's half five on Sunday. So. We're really letting standards slip, you know. That's a tight turnaround for an edit. That was my nickname in high school. Tight turnaround. <laughs> it wasn't. I was a virgin. <laughs> I'm really tired this week. I'm really tired. But don't you feel like such a pathetic mess when you're tired? Yeah. When you have nowhere to go and nothing to do. And you're tired. I've done no exercise. I've done no... I've just been sat down and I'm absolutely... My body is, like, fatigued. Same. I'm going to play poker tonight. Oh, so, I've been playing poker. What happened with your poker night? So, Helen was asking... My boyfriend for advice because yeah. he's a poker player. Yeah, he is what, so great. What ended up happen, happening well, with your game? Well, he was very helpful because basically we had both a flush and a straight at the same time. Everybody had the straight because, or the flush, can't remember which one's which, because that was in the, in the campaign set. Yeah, If you know, you know. Right. So we weren't sure how you qualify then who wins, but your boyfriend was very helpful in that it's whoever's got the highest card. It's not like whoever's got the second. Because we thought, oh, well, they've got a flush and a straight, so do they win? No. Poker's a cruel world. So basically what happened was I lost dramatically, and we have four sets of chips. We're doing them by colour rather than by... Like, we're doing it all Mm. wrong, but we each have our own colour just so we can see visually who's winning. We're kind of training at the moment, and there are four sets of chips, but there are only three of us. So halfway through the game, I'd lost all my original chips, and... Mary and Matt both had big piles. So I went to the casino like and bought more chips. So I bought a whole other row of chips and I still lost all my chips. <laughs> so I started off by genuinely being, I was full of like adrenaline and I was like, I'm going to go to casino. We're not going to go to casino. I'm going I'm gonna... to... We always talked about going to, this, to the casino, I feel like. Yeah, we should definitely go to the casino. I keep trying to bully my boyfriend into saying like, Oh, we can go, but he has no interest in it because he he mainly plays online. He has like played some tournaments and stuff in real life, I think. But he doesn't have he's not really so much in, interested in gambling as he is in, in just taking money off people. So um, <laughs> That's I don't. The thing you do have yeah, to. The only Vegas way doesn't appeal to him. Whereas really? to me, I like all the shiny <gasps> the lights shiny and I want to go. Yeah, okay, Vegas. It, Vegas. On our Whistle Stop tour of when we go to Ibiza to see Paris Hilton, let's then stop off yes. at Vegas. I cannot oh explain how much I would love to go to Vegas. That is like my... Especially right now. Like, um, oh, we've been God. watching the World Series of 
old um, reruns of the World Series of Poker. Lame. I know, really bad stuff. Um, and also like watching like these high stakes cash games and stuff, which are just super interesting because they're all so. They're either the coolest people you've ever seen or the saddest. Yeah. Are they ever both simultaneously? Like me, like you. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's like a lot of shots of like the casino and like hundreds of people just all crammed in. Oh, social distancing. Playing poker so close together and you just think. Two meters, guys. Oh, Remember that. Touching people. Remember that. Mm. Are you going to go to the pubs when they reopen? Beginning of July? Well, I don't know, because I'm moving home for a bit, so it'll kind of depend on what my parents want to do, really. I mean, we've only got, like, two or three pubs near us, I think, and some of them we don't really go to. Huh? Do you have a home phone? Do you have a landline? Oh, no, that's the door. Hang on, I'll get it. Tilly's gone to get the door, Tilly's gone to get the door. She's left me on my own. I thought she had like um, an old school landline. 0121, do one. Does anyone out there have a landline still? Let us know on Twitter, at bitchinpod. I miss phones being attached to walls. What was I watching recently? This is weird, I'm just talking to myself. But you're there. Dear listener, I was watching something. Oh, it was one of the Reese Witherspoons, Little Fires Everywhere, which I really recommend. It's a slow burn, excuse the pun, but um, really good, really well acted, interesting plot. It uh, doesn't quite go where you're expecting it to go. Were you talking to them without me? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well, now, this isn't an episode about poker. It's an episode about Jamie Oliver. Although maybe we should do... We should pick a problematic poker player to do an episode on because there are so many. What about your boyfriend? (laughs) Uh, Shall I read his Wikipedia page? Obviously, Jamie Oliver, not your boyfriend. Yes. James Trevor Oliver. What? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jamie Oliver. His middle name's Trevor. What don't you understand? I got confused by the James, actually, really stupidly. Good stuff. See, Jamie is short for James. Born the 27th of May 1975, which makes him 45, is a British chef and restaurateur. He is known for approachable cuisine, which has led him to front numerous television shows and open many restaurants and close many restaurants too. Born and raised in Essex. Did you ever eat his Italian? I did. Did you? Minging, innit? It wasn't good. I'm sorry, Jamie. It was so minging. It was I'm just really, really expensive, yeah. yeah. I remember listening to this radio show. I can't remember if it was specifically about him or if just someone from one of his restaurants was on it. Or maybe I just made this up. But anyway, who knows? Fake news. Well, you could do what you like. No one's listening. <laughs> Sorry, Mum, if I've got this wrong. But um, it was about how people steal things from restaurants because they feel like it's owed to them and they don't feel like it's stealing. So, like, I remember mm. my grandma doing it with chopsticks all the time. She put them yeah. up her sleeves 
um, in Chinese restaurants, but apparently people do it with like napkins, but they also do it with salt and pepper shakers and like bottles of vinegar, but also even things like wine bottles. If there's like wine bottles on big shelves in restaurants, I might have spoken yeah. about this before, but I have this memory of no? s- someone stealing loads of cutlery from Jamie Oliver's restaurant and him talking about how much money they lost in cutlery. Which I think was him preempting the fact that they were all going to go financially bankrupt, and he was going to blame. I it mean, on... I think you kind of factor that in, don't you? What everyone's to stealing? the cost of running a restaurant. Yeah, but not every. Because I think time. that happens everywhere. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, when like have you never been in the pub and like one of your mates wants to steal like a pint glass or something? Yeah. So I mean, it does. It it do happen. It do happen. But I don't. Still... I don't enjoy doing it. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't necessarily disagree with like stealing from a chain necessarily, but but is it is it necessary? You have cups at home. It's just the thrill, isn't it? It's the drunken thrill. Yeah. I did nearly do it at this pub that's near us where they serve. We got you know one of those big cocktails where everybody shares. You all get a straw pre-corona, mm. obviously, and they served it in this giant Wellington boot. And oh my gosh, the temptation to steal that Wellington boot was... That's too high. Did you take it? I did not. But I do reg- I do think about it every time I walk past and I do slightly regret it. Maybe you should have done. Mm. I'm sure they factored that into the cost of the cocktails. They were like, okay, we're doing this in a boot. Some cunt's going to steal the boot. <laughs> We've just got to live with it. How, how many... Bo- Ted, how many boots do you think we'll lose a month? Eight. All right, we'll add however many pounds onto the however many pounds onto the price tag it was an expensive cocktail so yeah mm. you're probably right oh, oh cocktails with friends i mean as shit as it was i would still give anything to be in, in any shit restaurant with any any friend ever even jamie's italian bless him so uh, right i was listening to his uh desert island discs and it was pre he was about 26 when he did his desert island discs and it was really interesting to like remember oh young jamie when he had everything ahead of him and because he was kind of a phenomenon wasn't he so he was basically he was discovered by this uh tv producer who i think also discovered uh two fat ladies if you ever watched them no did you never watch that i don't think so what was it what was it about Uh, and it was the two ladies and they rode the motorcycle and one of them was in the anyway uh patricia llewellyn who Mm. She's actually passed away now, but she also kick-started the career of Gordon Ramsay as well. So she basically, I think, was served by Jamie Oliver, met him in some restaurant, and then kind of saw that he was a bit... There was something about him, he's, you know, cute, and he had the cheeky chappy way about him. And I think she basically kind of came up with the concept of the naked chef, which was his kind of big break. Yeah. Very disappointing that he's not actually naked. Yeah, but that's how they get it you. Is. That's how they got me back when I was two. <laughs> um, but in this, but in this desert island discs, he was talking about the fact that he didn't own his own restaurant yet, and he was saying how right uh, the presenter, what's her name, Sue Thingy Majingi, was saying like, "Are you going to chase a Michelin star?" And he was like, "Well, look, I'll probably get a Michelin star, but I'm the kind of person who'll probably get one and give it back." I'm definitely not going to get more than one because I don't want, I don't chase and aspire for those like big status symbols. And I just now find it so cringe, like looking back, that he thought he was going to get a Michelin, unless he's got a Michelin star and I've got confused. But I feel like. No, I don't think so. Should I Google? 
Yeah, no, someone has done a review of Jamie's Italian in Vivo City and the title of the rest of the review is This is why Jamie Oliver has no Michelin star. Oh god. Oh bless him. Yeah. But he was twenty six when he did that you know, he was twenty two, I think ish, when he started appearing on T V. Like he's so young mm. and so aspirational and ambitious. You can just tell that in him. Yeah, and I I will say I did come into this being like, oh, I'm going to slag him off loads. I probably will a bit more before the day's <laughs> done. But to be fair, he has done a lot of good things. He um, started the 15 project when he was in his mid-20s um, in 2002, uh, which was a not-for-profit restaurant designed to train up 15 disadvantaged young unemployed candidates into chefs. And few expected that it would be a success. The initiative was broadcast as a Channel 4 series uh, and ended with 12 apprentices completing the programme and a restaurant that remained solidly booked out for months. And this is a Guardian article which was um, basically interviewing people who had done his apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, after 17 years and up to 150 graduates, 15 London closed its doors along with the rest of Oliver's restaurant empire in the UK. So this is when it colla- his empire collapsed last year. Uh, speaking to The Observer, former trainees from the original 15 cohort insist their legacy will live on and they won't hear a word against the man who gave them oh, their first break. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, and what's interesting is it's all of them kind of say the same things about him, which is that he it was very much like a family atmosphere and like from the moment they started working for him it was like here's my personal phone number you can always contact me about That's anything amazing. at That's any time really cool. yeah especially to do that when you're letting people in who you don't know yeah. is and like there's a quote from someone in the article that's basically talking about um oh if i ever have a I think she works in food now and she says if I ever have a something that I'm not sure of I'll text Jamie and he'll he'll reply quicker than some of my friends do wow. like So he is clearly a very warm uh accessible person which I guess is why his brand became the yeah, thing that it Yeah and that's so interesting cuz I feel like that has come from he was brought up in a pub and his dad was very much like in the pub working as a chef and work and you know and it was a very sort of it, it was one of the first pubs that had this idea of bringing in actually really good quality food into the pub. And so clearly that's what he was surrounded by. But I do feel like that relationship is clearly really formative in terms of a very personal family led business. And he talks in this in this Desert Island Disc interview about like his dad giving him jobs. But it was always things like picking up the dog poo from outside. Like he was it was drilled into him to kind of earn his living and so mm. I think there's two sides to that there's one which is really amazing and the and the 15 although I'm a bit cynical about how it came about in terms of being like a reality tv show it yeah. does feel like it was genuine and it was uh meaningful but then the other side of that is I think there is this slight mentality that he has around everything he does which is that poverty kind of exists out of choice or rather than circumstances and if you get given if you work hard enough then you can kind of overcome it and I know there's a fine line with that because giving people opportunities who don't have opportunities is an amazing thing and and is always a good thing but it kind of creates but it's also about being understanding isn't yeah. it because I mean really what he's most famous for with our generation <gasps> is the turkey twizzlers I'll never forgive him never forgive the man 
I mean, I was never really, I never ate turkey Twizzlers. I didn't eat so. turkey Twizzlers, but I did enjoy my school dinners when they were just pizzas and chips. Did you have pasta king? No. That was, that was a it. joke. It was pasta with different toppings every day. But you could just get pasta and cheese if Ooh, you wanted. Yeah, I'm into that. Pasta and melted cheese, and God, it so was So for anybody that doesn't know, he started, I mean, you probably do, but he started this initiative around healthy school dinners, which... To ban unhealthy food in British yeah. schools. And in retrospect, fair play. It was probably a necessary move. A good move. thing, yeah. a good thing. And there was lots of, because it was a TV show, wasn't it? And there was lots of footage of... Yeah, Jamie's mm, school dinners. So there was a lot of sort of shaming of, frankly, working class, families who weren't feeding their kids correctly and it's again that mentality of bad choices being the issue around childhood obesity and stuff like that and it's like you're shaming people who don't have the same education around food that you do and you know shouting at people and banning stuff isn't which I'm sure is not really what he's all about he's clearly about educating people and letting people know about their choices but it has Um, had a really positive impact that's the thing like although i don't necessarily mm. agree with the way he went around it and the shaming of dinner ladies and stuff like that didn't feel very fair it it was a slightly different time before we were educated around uh like fat shaming and stuff like that like the, the dialogue around that has massively changed since that show and it probably did do a lot of good in terms of school dinners being a bit you know more nutritious for people which is a good thing and it probably did some harm too. Like lots of things, they are both good and bad. <laughs> it's what we're here um, for, nuance. So much nuance. Uh, things are good and bad. Don't ask me to clarify <laughs> what percentage. Because I don't know, I'm not a scientist. I'm but a simple... Little lady. Little Barovian. Um, Oliver was criticised for underestimating the cost of supposedly cheap food. This is from the Wikipedia of supposedly cheap food, he encouraged poor people to prepare for themselves, also for an unrealistic view of poverty in Britain and around the Mediterranean. Cooker writer and poverty campaigner Yay. Jack Monroe stated that Oliver's comments support damaging myths that poor people are only poor because they spend their money on the wrong things rather than being constrained by time, equipment, knowledge or practicalities. Monroe added, when I was living on £10 a week for food because of mistakes with housing benefit payments, I didn't need a hug. I needed a fiver just to have a little bit more to eat. I didn't need a trip to Sicily to see how the street cleaners ate. I needed someone to point out that the 21p can of kidney beans could be the staple ingredient in a nutritious meal. I needed practical advice about what to do with the tins of food given to me by the food bank. And that's what it is, really, yeah. isn't it? It's They're really pointing out there that it's about knowing how to cook for yourself. And, you know, we're not always taught how to do that. And that's, you know, not always people's fault. But it's where I think you're so right that, like, he has been brought up around a lot of food education and is really plugged in and that's his whole world. And I think it's also kind of the responsibility of... of quick and fun tv shows kind of lauding him as the auditor of everybody's choices in food and giving him this kind of enormous power and it is his responsibility to educate himself and i find it really interesting so he did a ted talk um about kind of education and food and 
particularly highlighting the UK and the USA as being incredibly unhealthy and like high levels of childhood obesity and stuff. And um, I've not actually seen the whole TED talk, so I'm about to just assume that he doesn't bring in any kind of social factors as to why that is, but he might do. So I, I fast forwarded through it because I've got to say, I do find people talking about food really dull. This is it's so it's boring. It's really boring, isn't it? I just don't want to, I'm not into I just, it. Particularly when it feels personally. preachy, I just don't, I like carbs I like chips, and if there's a man telling me that those things are bad, I just person that's not gonna change my lifestyle. Yeah, I just shut down. Yeah. I shut yeah. the whole thing down. And it's just so much of like it's great if you're passionate about it. Like my housemate Josh is a great mm. cook, and that's brilliant. That has been brilliant for me when we've lived together because I have, you know, I get to eat the food. <laughs> So, sorry, sounding like Theresa May there. It's good because you then you get to eat the food after you've cooked it. Um, but he's, like, so, so passionate about, like, the ingredients, the process. He loves, like, watching YouTube videos about cookery because it's a passion of his. And it's not everyone's passion. Not everyone is passionate mm-hmm. about cooking. And that's fine. Like, we shouldn't all have to become chefs to be able to feed ourselves in a nutritionist, in a nutritionist, why don't I just die, in a nutritious yeah. way, but for me personally, I want to look at a recipe, and for there to be no more than oh, seven ingredients, my days. and for there to be like but five this is the steps. thing, when I type in like, you know, pasta dish into Google, and it comes up with Jamie Oliver, I avoid, it's like, first you must <laughs> catch a ferret under the full moon, and shoot it out of your asshole. Once clearly, you've done that, you lightly braise. It's incredibly braise. popular. You know, he's the second most selling UK author after J.K. Rowling, uh, subject of last week's. Yeah, but people don't read him. <laughs> Put him on the they bookshelf. Do you think? Yeah. So, uh, like yeah. me with Mrs. Hinch's book, I realised that actually I don't want to clean my house. I just want to watch her clean her house on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's relaxing watching her do it and like put a dog to bed. <laughs> God, love her. I love her. She's, bless her. bless her. But you're right, with him, it's interesting watching him cook. Because there's been, alongside this huge increase in obesity in the UK, there's also been a huge increase in yeah. our appetite for food TV shows. But it doesn't mean that those two things are in any way related to each other in a way. It's sort of strange. It's like this entertainment. that then, But then we watch it while eating a takeaway pizza. I mean, not not everybody. Like, there are people like Josh who really love cooking. And I do really like... If I find dishes that I'm excited by, then then I do like cooking them. But they gen... I love eating. <laughs> like, maybe if I had, like, my own house and, like, my own kitchen and, like, nice things. Not that I don't have that, but, I mean, I like, obviously I rent my flat and, like, I share a kitchen. You know, it's not... I don't have a dishwasher. You know, it's not the yeah. same if you're, like, cooking in a really beautiful kitchen that's, like, really well stocked and you've got, like, you know... Money! beagle's eyes and root of badger and all the (laughs) random fucking ingredients you seem to need to have to cook a fucking soup (laughs) you know it's then yeah i can imagine it would be quite an enjoyable experience but for me cooking i'm just thinking about the washing Mm -hmm. up that's what i'm thinking about i'm thinking i just don't want to use every pan i have it's so weird how much we value like 
we love food but there are only a few chefs that are really like mega famous and then just knowing we were doing this this week I've really noticed him like even because I thought always oh, a bit he was so famous in his heyday but I thought he's fallen a little oh, bit God, yeah. off the track but actually just walking through Sainsbury's he's like got his whole own brand of all these sauces and like his face is very much on the thing and like it's his image and his kind of he fe- it feels like he's a very grounded together knowledgeable person who you kind of are aspiring to be like and that sells a really nice pasta sauce it's really bizarre him and the Dolmio dolls who they're gonna get my money every time <laughs> I love those guys but I'd be more likely to go to a restaurant like the I don't know was Nigella had opened it that's because you know? you're sexist against men though you got me bitch <laughs> Cuff me. <laughs> it's not a crime. If loving women is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Bless him, though. I wonder if he's sad. No, I don't think so. Think it's all right. Yeah, he's got a massive family. He does. He's got fuckloads of money. What do you think his worth is? Oh, I saw what his worth is, and I remember it. Sorry, I could have lied, but two hundred fifty million, right? Is it? I've forgotten. So you could have done it on me. Let's go for that. Two hundred fifty million, right? Yeah. Even though all his businesses collapsed and everyone lost their jobs. And that is really sad that that happened, particularly as he is such an aspirate. He'd had so much success. I can imagine that being really tough to then have such mm. a public... But cooking stuff good and running business is the two different things. I wish we hadn't lost our Golden Ramsay episode. Have we lost it? Yeah, we never put it up, did we? Because we lost it. <gasps> we lost it. Yeah, we did an amazing episode on Gordon Ramsay. But then it got lost. I think it was my fault. I saved it to the wrong cloud or something. Yeah, I think hopefully it's trapped somewhere in the Great Big Owl archives and we can retrieve it. That's what it is. And then lockdown happened. So it's on the computer at the Great Big Owl offices. Yes. I mean, it's just me screaming, it's fucking raw (laughs) for like 30 minutes. Because they're kind of matey, aren't they? No, I don't think they're friends. They're not. They've both supported some of the same kind of causes and stuff, but maybe that's just, you know, 
They both supported a thing about fishing ethically or something. Um, let me find it. Gordon Ramsay reveals he has re- resolved feud with Jamie Oliver. And then below that, Gordon Ramsay reveals why he can never forgive <laughs> Jamie Oliver. <laughs> that all sounds like tabloid clickbait to me. Tabloid shit. Okay, Radio Times, what are you saying? Gordon Ramsay has revealed that he will not speak with Jamie Oliver again unless the naked chef apologises to his wife, Tana, after Oliver upset the couple with his comments during an interview. What? Jamie turned around and said, I've got five kids, he's got four kids, to judge someone else's family on the amount of kids you have. Oh, for God's sake. He must have been joking. Boys will always fight and butt heads, but Tana was mortified. I mean, really mortified. What, because he said they had four kids and not five kids? Are you joking? No, because saying that um, he's got more kids than he does. Yeah. I assume some comment on his own fertility. So... I assume that's what it is. They've got loads of kids. They just need to chill they did a, they did this thing about fish so in 2010 this is jamie oliver joined several other celebrity chefs on the series the big fish fight in which oliver and fellow chefs hugh fernley whittingstall and gordon ramsay made a variety of programs to wear, raise awareness about the discarding of hundreds of thousands of saltwater fish because the fishermen are prohibited from keeping any fish other than the stated target of the trawl. I didn't know that. That's awful. Are you trying to bore people to death? <laughs> Sorry if I care about the environment, Helen. I was talking about a very important spat between him and Gordon Ramsay and you think that people want to know about fish. Sustainable fishing. Learn about that on your own time, guys. Oh, apparently it was because his wife had had a... They'd had a miscarriage. Oh. So it was a bit of a dodgy oh, thing to say. Oh, that's not then. Did he know that when he said that? I don't know. It's all just gossip shit. But they're, apparently they're friends now, so I'm sure they are friends. They're probably just men. So, here we are. Okay. There's a thing about Woolworths. I've just got to find it. Great. The suspense is killing me. So, in August 2013, Oliver began a partnership with the Australian chain, Woolworth Supermarket. Oh, I thought it was about our Woolworths. Boring. Woolworths anyway, died. I know, but I thought it was like before it died. Um. Maybe he was responsible for its collapse because he's not good with business. But then um, basically uh, something happened. Oh, so, so he came under strong criticism, this is reading from the Wikipedia page, over the funding of the advertising surrounding his relationship with the supermarket. Right. And some somebody said, I can't work out who, but this is a quote. High quality journalism. Send us money <laughs> for more high quality journalism. Oh no, I've accidentally come off the page. Oh, here we go. In this case, he is not a spectator, but effectively a beneficiary of, those, of these demands on our farmers. I think we need some context to this, but it's too late. If he doesn't approve of Woolworths ethics, he must have said that at some point. He can withdraw from the campaign and refund his endorsement fee. In the last 12 months, the average vegetable grower has gone from making a small profit to making a loss. In the same, in the same 12 months, Mr. Oliver's wealth rose by an estimated £90 million. This is it. You can't go on about sustainability, good ingredients and all the rest of it whilst also being the face of a massive supermarket. It's simply... Yeah. Don't piss on people's legs and tell them it's raining. It's simply not. It's simply not real. Can't have it both ways, Jamie Oliver. God, food is great, isn't it? It is. 
It's good. It's life. It's love. We're a wellness podcast now. <laughs> Live, love, laugh. Jamie Oliver, not that bad, not that great. Somewhere in the middle. Could be worse, could be better. He does what he does and that's fine. Carry on. You've been listening to Bitchin', a podcast by Tilly Steele and Helen Monks. Our music was by Dave Cribb and our artwork was by Luke W. Watson. I did a radio play this week, which was me playing yeah. someone on a phone sex chat line, so I can <gasps> recite that for you. How was that? It's fine. Look at you, still booked in lockdown, still having a better <laughs> career than me, even in lockdown. God, I fucking hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Oh, okay, we're going to go. I'm so resentful Goodbye. of your success. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.